How are you enjoying the States these days? I love being here. I moved here in September because I love being here so much. Uh, what so, do you love yeah. about it? Uh, the, the people, people, meeting people is immediately uh, interesting. Nobody bothers covering the ground that I find English people to cover. I'm not trying to shame England, but it no, feels like the conversations I have here with strangers are fulfilling. Gotcha. I like that. Oh, cool. Have yeah. you ever been to New Zealand? I haven't. I have friends from there, but um, no, I've never been. I'd love to go. I've watched a lot of movies that have been oh, shot there. Jane Campion films, yeah, probably. <laughs> or Peter Jackson. Exactly. We have quite a few exactly. good directors here, so I don't know what's in the water, but there you go. Are you a movie fan? Was, a movie um, buff? Yeah, I mean, more on tour because there's not a lot to do in the van. Gotcha. So I've been watching a lot of movies in the van. Okay. Yeah. That's was um, Hunt for the Wilder People shot in yes, New it was. Zealand? It, yeah, it, I love that movie. Taika Waititi, he's, he's a guy. Yes. <laughs> he is a guy. <laughs> <laughs> so so the album, your album, uh, Big Picture, was out a couple of months ago. What's the reaction been for your fans and for you as, as far as your reaction to their reaction? <laughs> Most of the reaction I've been paying attention to has been live reaction. We started the tour the day after uh, the record came out. So that was right. really nice. So immediately I, I was getting kind of live feedback, which is something that I didn't get for the second record because it was released in the pandemic. Right. So that's been really cool. And like, yeah, just seeing seeing people showing up is something that I don't take for granted. So even if it's not going to be like a huge hit, people being in the room and knowing some of the words right. is a really, really cool feeling. And do you commiserate yeah. with people after the show and hang out at the merch table and do stuff like that? I do, yeah. It's, yeah, I like that part of the night. Yep, it seems it seemed yeah. to be a pretty cool thing to do. I, I'm an old guy and I can't imagine back in the 70s when I was going to lots of shows, anybody ever doing that to have that uh, you know one-on-one -on -one connection with the artist so it's it's pretty cool yeah i mean in the 70s potentially it was a little bit cheaper to tour i feel like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a lot of like artist interaction and like diy touring going on because there isn't because you have as to. much money in touring and it's yeah, yeah. It's, yep. it's very expensive and quite competitive in a yep. in a way that other areas of music aren't competitive i don't feel competitive when i'm when I make music and when I release music, but when it comes to touring, especially post pandemic, it's very much like every band for themselves. Right. Like, right. <laughs> you need to, you need the venues to allow you to play kind of thing. So it's not a given that. Right. It's interesting. That, I, um, I was, I've been having this discussion with Kiwi artists here. Um, and it's and, uh, having been a veteran of the U S music scene and comparing it to here, it's much more, collaborative here in New Zealand and everybody's looking mm. out for everybody whereas in the states it was definitely competitive so I don't know if it's uh, I don't I don't know I don't know if I feel uh I mean I'm at the moment on this tour where we are we have a band called Workwife opening uh, for us so I'm uh -huh. doing a co a co-headline tour with Christian Lee Hudson right and my friend's band my friend's band from New York is supporting us and we're all playing in each other's bands right I currently have a banjo player and Meredith, the lead singer from Workwife, playing on my set, and yep. she's playing on Christian's set, and Christian's playing on my set. It's all that's the way it should like be. The definition. <laughs> it, yeah. it is. It is the way it should be, and it's hard to 
um it's whenever i'm in a tour whatever the vibe of the tour that's how i think of all touring so i've done right. some bad tours where it feels very like us and them right but then on this tour it couldn't feel less like that so this is i have a real positive view of touring at right. this moment in time because of this tour cool so it's, it sounds yeah. like it's going well so it sounds like you have the, a lot of the same people who played on the record on the road with you so that must be fun yeah i have uh, my whole band apart from my bassist uh-huh. um we all recorded the record together christian produced a song and played yeah. guitar on the record right um the only person we don't have is katie kirby okay but um I'm going to get her to join us in New York because she's yeah. living there. Okay. So, so let's, yeah. uh, let's dive into the record just a little bit, if you don't mind, and talk about how it came to be. What, uh, I know it's a, it's kind of a pandemic record, as all of them are these days, and uh, yep. that enters into the thing. But for you, when did it start becoming a record? When did you? Because I know you had a, a period where you weren't writing songs for a while and you were afraid that it was gonna, mm. that was going to be it. So how did you get out of that? I started playing guitar with, I don't really jam with people. Right. I, I don't really like do music for fun in that way, or I ha historically haven't. But um, my friend Willie J. Healy started coming down to my flat in Bristol, and we would play guitar on my roof every week for a few hours, which is something I'd never done before. And that really like kick-started my, it just made me want to write music. I wasn't really listening to music before then. I was trying not to think about it because I didn't know if it would still be a job that right. I had at the end mm -hmm. of the pandemic. So yeah, I immediately just seeing someone who was passionate and I, and I wanted to be that passionate again. Right. I wanted to get back to caring about music. Right. So he made it possible for me to start writing. I think he kind of opened the floodgates and I had a lot of stuff to talk about lyrically. I just didn't <laughs> think that I did because I wasn't having conversations with people or, yeah. Uh, going to shows or comparing my art or thoughts to anyone else's. But yeah. as soon as we started hanging out, that made me want to get going again. So if you didn't get going again, if, if your music career was for whatever reason over, what would you do with yourself? <laughs> um, damn. I don't know. I What skills do I have? <laughs> I would... <laughs> sadly, I would probably be... Uh, Flipping burgers, like copy, copywriting, <laughs> like copy editing or whatever. Like mm -hmm. I'm really into grammar, so I'd right. probably just go through other people's work and edit it. Oh yeah, a sub editor. <laughs> or do like the world needs yeah. good sub editors. <laughs> I can there we go. Well, sadly, there's software for it now. I feel like there's software for everything now. So yes, I'm yes. really not. I'm not sure. I think that that was part of the reason why I was in a creative slump, right? Because I was thinking, I have been categorized by the government as non-essential. And yeah. that Thanks is a, a hard. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you it love that? You feel like, it made me feel like a has been before right. I'd even done anything. Man. Uh, which is tough. I was like 22. Yeah. I was 23. And just feeling like my whole life had passed and I was sitting alone at the end of my small life wondering where it all went. It was weird. And that categorization um, of being um, essential or non essential is completely random. For instance, oh, it's I'm, insane! I was working as a video editor at a place called Sky Television when the pandemic hit, and we mm -hmm. had to keep working through it because we were considered essential. And it was only because we had to get the rugby on the air, you know. <laughs> I mm -hmm. mean, 
that's not yeah. really essential, but apparently that was. Yeah. So there you go. Whereas, you know, music is apparently not so essential. I don't understand it. But <laughs> anyway. Uh, now, it, there was. Stri- I, I guess the things that make uh, that continue or like precipitate fear and like reliance were essential. Right. In some way. Do you know what I mean? Like news. Yeah. That's essential because yep. yep. it keeps people. Uh, reliant on yep well and and it's the thing that they've learned to count on and as long as it's there things should be on a relatively good basis stable basis i guess so yeah yeah once that goes down toilet then it's all over (laughs) exactly (laughs) anyway so there was a tune i wanted to touch on called uh, dawn colored horse which i think um i read somewhere that you had been listening to ronnie lane and slim chance and that somehow (laughs) yeah and I have the Ronnie Lane album. I was going to show it to you if we were doing a video thing <laughs> just to show off. Oh. I have a massive record collection behind me. So uh, how? Yeah. So you're, what, 20-something years old? How did you get into mm-hmm. Ronnie Lane and Slim Chance, which is pretty obscure for even a 70s artist? Yeah, I uh, I was list- the first artist that I started listening to semi-religiously when I decided to start listening to music again mid-pandemic was Towns Van Zandt. And I think... I honestly, I really respect Spotify for their ability to give you like linked artists that are accurate right. to if you the like things this, that you like about. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's such a good tool. I think I found it through that. Right. And yeah, that song "Roll On, Babe." As soon as I heard it, I was like, "Oh, holy shit!" I was doing a radio <laughs> show through the pandemic as well, and I was seek like actively seeking out music, right, which was really healthy going into trying to write a record to be back. I feel like my beginnings in music when I was 15 was purely because I was obsessed with finding and owning music. It felt like something I had control over that didn't have anything to do with anyone else. So uh, having 25,000 records, sometimes it controls you though. So be careful. (laughs) You have 25,000 records. I do. (laughs) Oh my god! I have like forty, no, you and get all at my parents' house. <laughs> yeah, that's all yeah. right. It's the quality, 000. not the quantity Damn. that counts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that's pretty uh, cool. yeah. That record is. I mean, I like records from that kind of period of time because they're because streaming and like I I feel like this new era of music is strange because. In order for a record to be big, you need at least five songs on it. Four right. or five songs that are equal quality and wildly varied in tone right. to get you heard by lots of different sections of um, massive audience base and to get you categorized on streaming. But in the 70s and 80s, a lot of the music from that time, you put on a record and it establishes a vibe at yep. the beginning of the record and it doesn't really stray from that and that yep. doesn't i'm not saying that those records are like not as uh dynamic or interesting i think they're more interesting and dynamic because they're not trying to tick five different boxes they're just like this is what we're doing this is how we sound and i really i fuck with that in a way that i don't think modern music really does yeah. i can name like three bands recently that i get the same feeling from well, who are they as uh, a band called Friendship. Okay. I've from the States. That. They've got an album called Love the Stranger. It's amazing. 
uh-huh. uh, Jessica Pratt. Mm, I know her. Yeah. Um, Not personally, but I've heard a band called, Yeah, she's so cool. And a band called Loosberg. Okay. They're Dutch. Oh, okay. It's kind of like a it's like, it like droney, a- guitar-y, but like lo-fi. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. A little bit Lou Reedy vocally, but can't go wrong. Yeah. Little Lou. So when you exactly. discovered Slim Chance, did you do like more re- research about Ronnie Lane and discover the faces and blah, blah, blah? Did you do uh, kind of go through that? I did. That I, did I did discover the faces. I actually had heard a lot of that, uh, the faces stuff, and I didn't know that they were linked. Uh, right. Um, Rod Stewart was yeah. just here about two months ago, and he did did play Ooh La La, which is a Ronnie Lane oh. song, faces. So that yeah. was a good thing. A nice little tribute Fuck yeah. to Ronnie. That's so. Awesome. <laughs> Now I see you also you have a music video you made for In My Own Time, in which you you kind of are a ventriloquist and there is a puppet of you. My and I <laughs> immediately wondered if you were able to throw your voice. <laughs> oh, I wish. There's a <laughs> what, there's a, a the children's book about an elephant. It's not Baba the Elephant. It's I don't remember what the book is called, but there's. In the book series, there's one about an elephant who can, who's a ventriloquist and he uses it to fuck with other elephants. Right, right. In the forest that they all live in. <laughs> and uh, since I was a kid, I was like, ah, I'd love to do that. No, oh. I've never really tried. I should, I should make an effort to, to add that to my skill set, which is small. It's and I was um, when I, even when I thought of it, I was like, is that a thing these days? You don't hear about people being able to throw their voice. It might be a lost art. Oh, that would be so sad. Like calligraphy. Exactly. Damn. <laughs> exactly. And copy editing. <laughs> now, I understand that uh, this, the last song on the album, Half Finished, is kind of like the the song that got you started writing again. So, And then it almost mm. didn't make the cut. So tell me the, the journey of that song and how it ended up where it did. I wrote that as a yeah reintroduction to writing music. It's kind of like a if you have like a running notes page on your phone, I just, I almost had it like that, but in garage band where I'd be adding weird guitar lines and trying to write my own guitar solos in this garage band project and right. swapping out verses and whatever. It was kind of like a patchwork of ideas. And I sent it to Christian, Christian, Christian Lee Hudson and I have been yep. like vague internet friends for a few years. Okay. <laughs> so I sent it to him. I was like, I don't know what this song's doing. And he was like, it's, it's all right. And then when we came to record the record, he was like, you better record that song. And I was like, I didn't even think of that song as a song to record. We should do that. But when we recorded it properly in North Carolina, it ended up feeling really flat and strange and almost like it was trying to be big, but it wasn't. <laughs> right. Um, so I got back to New York. I was hanging out with my manager and Christian. We were just having a beer and they both like an intervention were like, so we've been talking and you need to put half finished on the record. What don't you like about the recording? And like a sulky child, I was like, I don't like anything about the recording. It needs to be completely different. And Christian was like, well, what if we go into a studio tomorrow? This was like two days before the record had to be handed in. Right. Of course. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess we could re-record some guitars. I don't know. And Christian and I went into a studio in Brooklyn and re-recorded all of the guitars over a couple of hours. And then, yeah, it finally made it onto the record. But I was really like, 
I don't understand why anyone wants the song on the record. It's act- it's not a good song. <laughs> and I don't, and I'm not saying that to get like attention. I, right. I know what's good and what isn't good. Right. I thought about my, about my stuff, but it seems like this is one that even like when we're playing these shows, people want to hear it. And I don't, like I actually don't really understand why, and I can understand why people want to hear other songs I've written. I'm right. not fake modest. Got it. Got it. But this one is just like a weird, like yeah, it's like oh, well. a surprise that people like it, which is cool. Must be a I perspective like thing. You just are in one perspective, and everyone else is seeing it from yeah. something else. So there you go. It's weird to be. It's weird to be in a position where things that I'm making are really close to me, but they can mean completely separate things to. Right. completely different people yeah to the point where i'm like this is, doesn't belong to me anymore it does but it, it has a life aside from me now which uh i think that's why people refer to their albums as like babies or whatever yep and they go off into um, the world and blah 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 yeah <laughs> they go off to college and make new friends yes yeah. rebel against their parents yep. <laughs> mm-hmm my albums are going to take themselves off streaming at some point yeah, right. I'm saying, <laughs> they'll show you <laughs> show yeah, you all. they'll all start smoking and <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man all right one more song i wanted to kind of touch on is two plus two only because uh, i think it has my favorite line about in-flight movies always making me cry and uh yeah and so just elaborate and say whatever you want to about that but i just wanted to bring that up <laughs> i like that you like that line i uh I'm referencing the Lion King. I was 21 when I first saw the Lion King. Okay. On a flight, and yep. I cried. Oh my god! I couldn't believe I'd never seen it before. It's a great movie. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that song's a strange one. I kind of had the. I almost feel like we missed an opportunity to make it sound like kind of like a. Like a Bruce Springsteen song, but I kind of wanted it to be a spooky moment in the record because thematically, to me, it's a, it's a transitory. Uh, piece of writing it's the eventual recognition that this relationship I'm in isn't working right but I'm going to try my hardest to fix it right um the relationship I focus on primarily in this record is with my ex and we had a lot of breakups and getting back together during covid Oh boy! And this was the this sounds exhausting. Came at a time. It was very tiring. It was stimulating though. It's like I don't know what else am I going to do? But, um, right. Well, there you go. <laughs> but this was the song where I was finally ready to admit to myself that this is probably going to end for real right. now, uh, unless something big changes. Um, I also really pay attention to track listing on an album, like. Uh-huh. I think it's important to pay attention to the story that's being told. So the fact that this comes forth to me, I don't know. It's like a, it's a, it's almost a cheerful record up until this point, and then it right. starts to change into like being doubt based and uh, alluding to the fact that perhaps things are just about to dissolve. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's never like made that clear, which, yeah. Yep. Or at least that's how I hear it. <laughs> Righty. Uh, it sounds. It sounds very. So, are you are you now writing all the time? Have you broken through that whole writing is writer's block thing? I I haven't really been thinking about writing. I've just been thinking about touring. Right. But I think it will be easy to write now because um, I now have surrounded myself accidentally with 
creative people that <laughs> when we hang out we all just like come to each other's apartments in new york and play music it's not cool. like a thing that i feel private and scared about anymore it's more of a collaborative kind of community feeling thing that doesn't have to be so in uh impregnated with like stress and pressure right um yeah i feel like it will be easy to write next time fingers yeah. crossed i don't know fingers crossed Who knows what's gonna happen there'll yes. be a second pandemic and i'll become a plumber it could be a third one by then who knows <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway fingers crossed yes well we'd love to have you come down here so think about you know making your ways down I'd south i'd love to point. be kind of cool i would love to in the meantime thank you for spending so much time talking to me and going in depth on the record it sounds like it's all going well over there thank you for having me thanks for talking to me sorry my camera doesn't work it's, oh yeah, yeah. I, I keep thinking you can I'm see sorry, i'm used that. to doing zoom so much and i'm like nodding Aww. and realizing that you don't see that i'm nodding <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. i'm sorry next time <laughs> very good all right thank you very much we'll see all you right later. Have, have a good a great day, day. Bye-bye.